0: Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz and this is episode 223, Writing to Make People Happy, an interview with Hilary Gallinoy, coming to you on Thursday, November 26, 2020. So first of all, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And just because I can, because it's my show, happy birthday, Jessica, because you know who you are. <laughs> and happy writing there's so many people hundreds of thousands of people around the world still working on their national novel writing projects or NaNoWriMo books so if that is you keep going you still have a few more days take some time off maybe the whole day maybe a few hours (laughs) enjoy whatever you are eating I'm in Sweden so there we're not celebrating Thanksgiving and we can't be with anybody right now anyway so um I don't know what I will be eating. It will probably be something my husband makes because I am a terrible cook known far and wide around the world. Friends in Australia, New Zealand, Michigan, California, Arizona will all attest that you do not want me cooking for you. Baking, however, I will make you happy and fat. (laughs) So I will do some baking. I think I might want to make an apple pie just sort of in honor of big American uh, really overeating holidays. So (laughs) if you are um, eating something delicious and, and Oh, just tell me about it. I love food. There's food in all of my books. I love food. uh, And I would much rather hear about your delicious food. That's not going to go to my hips. So just go to maybe yours, (laughs) get some exercise, need some of that anyway so many things going on and i'm super excited to bring you hillary gallanoys today um, she is one of my favorite people in the world these last few weeks because she is one of the two writers with her friend and writing partner liz hackett who wrote love guaranteed that just came out in september on netflix i was enjoying it very much many times i i like to say that i was just re-watching it for research because hillary would be on the show but honestly, it just makes me happy. And that is why we have named the show, this episode, Writing to Make People Happy, because that's what Hillary and Liz do too. They just want to write things that make people smile and feel good. And that is a really, really good thing. No matter what kind of genre that you're writing, or if you're writing nonfiction or screenplays or plays or church skits. I I don't care if you are trying to scare people or um, make them wonder who did it or uh, tell them a story about people falling in love, like your words change people. And sometimes the most important and happiest thing that we can do is just entertain people when they need to be taken away from their daily life. And sometimes daily life is... I had a really long day and my computer like had all these glitches and I couldn't get my work done and now I'm behind. And sometimes daily like life is um, people are sick and we can't go anywhere and we can't have Thanksgiving dinner together. So if you are not sure what you're going to do to cheer yourself up today on Thanksgiving day in the United States or just Thursday is what we call it all, all around the rest of the world, <laughs> i say go watch Love Guaranteed or Falling in Love. those movies on Netflix make me happy. And that is one of the great things that we can do as writers. Honestly, I'm also reading a Patricia Bradley book right now because she's gonna be a guest on the show in a few months. Um, So I get to read an arc, yay. And I was super duper happy because in the very first chapter, someone shot at the heroine three times. I'm like, oh yeah, that wasn't an accident. Yay, I'm excited. Like who, who did it and why? And so, lots of things can make us happy. And sometimes it's movies about people falling in love. (laughs) So uh, go enjoy the shows. Um, I think that you probably will. Watch them with your grandma or your daughter, or maybe you can get your spouse to watch it with you. (laughs) And definitely keep writing. Think about what you can do to give people like just that sense of such satisfaction with this wonderful product that you wrote. And um, yeah, it's a good thing. I don't want anybody to let you convince yourself or for you to let someone else convince you that there is anything about your writing that isn't worthwhile, that it isn't worth your time to do because it is. Maybe we haven't figured out what exactly it is that you're writing is so worthwhile to do. I mean, you might be new, in which case you just need to keep writing. (laughs) But right now we're going to talk to Hillary about romantic comedies and writing with a partner and just writing things that make people happy. So if you are in the United States or if you're an American abroad, a very, very happy Thanksgiving to you. Wherever you are, if you have Netflix, I challenge you to go make yourself just feel happy with some feel good movies and here we are to talk to Hillary. Today's guest is Hillary Gallinoy. Hillary and her writing partner Elizabeth Hackett work in both film and television. As a team, they have sold original material and performed rewrites on projects at numerous production companies, studios and cable channels, including Universal, Fox, Paramount and Freeform. Their produced works include the hit Netflix romantic comedies Love Guaranteed, which streamed this past September and stars Rachel Lee Cook, Damon Wayans Jr., and Heather Graham, and Falling in Love, starring Christina Milian and Adam Damos. Other movies include Hallmark Channel's My Best Friend's Bouquet and Fur Crazy, the musical Rags for Nickelodeon, and Geek Charming for the Disney Channel. Hillary and Liz wrote on Netflix's award-winning children's program, Project MC Squared, for the length of the series, moving up from story editors to co-producers. Next up is another yet-to-be-titled romantic comedy for Netflix. In Hillary's spare time, she loves yoga, her dogs, her husband, and wine, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> Welcome, Hilary. Hi, thank you for having me today. I'm so glad to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, so thank you. This is great. Uh, You and I have a mutual friend and I have to tell you, I might've already mentioned it, but it was so much fun. And I mentioned it for the audience's benefit as a way to reconnect with friends that you can't actually get together with right now. So my friend, Jill and I were like, oh, we have to see Love Guaranteed. And she's like, my friend Hillary wrote it. And I'm like, well, then we really have to see it. So we tried to figure out a time when it was either, cause it would have to be either my morning and her evening or vice versa. I think it ended up being my evening in her morning. So she was having breakfast and I was having wine and we had yes. our laptops on the couch so that we could have zoom up so that we can oh. laugh at the same points. And then we went one, two, three, go. And we both pressed play on Netflix and we watched your movie together.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's great. I it was it. so
0: fun. So then every once in a while, you know, we're laughing to each other over zoom as if we were on the couch with each other and oh, so much fun. <laughs>
1: well I really appreciate it I I just that's kind of that's kind of the goal that that Liz my writing partner and I and I go for it, is we just want to bring people to happiness and joy you know so we we just want people to to feel good watching our stuff
0: that's lovely I have to say that is definitely one of the reasons why I wrote romantic comedies because you I just don't think that you can have too much uh romance and Hillary um what am I trying to say um I just lost my words here. I'm like, uh, I can't say hilarious. Hilarity, that's what I was trying to say. (laughs) Um, Because, I mean, at any time, but especially now, like, thank you so much for helping people to have an hour and a half of, okay, I feel a lot better now.
1: (laughs) You know, it's interesting that, thank you. And it's interesting you say that because um, with our most recent Hallmark movie, My Best Friend's Bouquet, it was actually a project that we had finished writing like last spring or whatever. And then they weren't really, or no, actually it was sometime late last year. And they weren't really sure when they were gonna slot it in. And um, and so they, once production got up and running again, um, Hallmark and our producer called us and said, okay, we're, <laughs> you you need to do a a COVID rewrite, but they're like, you need to do a rewrite so we can put it in production in July and it's gonna air in October. And we were like, that's crazy. But anyway, the reason I bring this up is there was a discussion, do you put people in masks? And ultimately Hallmark decided no with all of their movies, because not only do Hallmark movies, you know, air year after year. And so in 2024, we're not going to want to remember this time. you know. Um, but also it's just like they're, they're, escapism, you know, we, it's not like these, it's not, it's not like these things happen in real life anyway. It's not like romantic comedies are, are realistic to begin yeah. with. So it's, we didn't, you know, we didn't want it to be dark and, and we didn't want, we wanted it to be able that people can watch our stuff and just remember what it was like before and what it's going to be like again, for sure. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. You know, Jill and I, um, we Skype together and a lot and um, she's a casting director. So Mm -hmm. we've talked a lot in the last six or eight months about, well, okay, not quite eight, but um, like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to rewrite things? What are we going to, how are we going to do the shooting? You know, and she was explaining a few things that she had heard about um, some soap operas that were like, it was all going to be changing camera angles and that sort of thing.
1: Well, there is a product, just to dive right into this, there is a, you know, a COVID production guide and Ah. it's, um, it's only necessary. It's, you know, constant testing. It's only necessary people on the set. So it's not like, Hey, the executives from wherever can come visit. And, um, and everybody masks up when they're not on camera and the crew socially distances while they are working. So for instance, with my best friend's bouquet, we rewrote the whole thing to be almost, almost all of it outside because even though it was a fall movie cause you know Hallmark does movies for different seasons. Um, we, it's beautiful. It was summer in Canada when they filmed it. And so they just, you know, put some, some autumn leaves out and everything. Um, but it was, but it was so much easier to socially distance the crew if you're outside because it's like, Oh, the camera guy can be here and the sound person can be, you know, six feet away and the makeup person can stand six feet away. And, and so, um, so that yeah there are there are all of these crazy restrictions but in some ways it's it was sort of a fun challenge because you're putting these different puzzle pieces together and and I think that the movie actually turned out really beautiful because of it because it's it's gorgeous up in Canada and you know there's all these mountain vistas and a lot of the scenes and it it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah yeah and I'm guessing that uh actually, I'm going to turn this into a question because my guess might be totally wrong. But um, but then even you and Liz wouldn't have necessarily been allowed on the set. No, we were not. So um, we yeah, it I mean, Hallmark
1: movies, um, the writers don't traditionally visit the set. So Mm. because they're really kept at a a budget. Um, But no, we would not have been able to go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so we've we've jumped right in, but we're let's swing around to the beginning just for a minute. Tell us a little bit about um you, how did you get started? Did you, you know, grow up telling people stories or and how did we kind of get to today?
1: Um well, both of my parents were writers, so it was something. And actually, um my sisters that I grew up with, uh they're they're uh they're very good writers too. They don't do it for a living or anything, but um, But so I think it's just in our, in our, in our blood. And, um, I always wanted to be a writer and I had a very active imagination as a little kid and would make up very complex stories for my Barbie dolls and that kind of thing. (laughs) And, um, I then I went to film school and, I worked actually as an executive in the entertainment business for a long time before I sort of finally got up the nerve to, to write myself. So what happened was a friend um, who was friends with both Elizabeth, I call her Liz, my writing partner. Friends, Liz and I were already friends for years. And, uh, and then somebody um, suggested that we should try to write a script together. And so nights and weekends, we wrote a script together about 20 years ago and we sold our very first script so yeah in a preemptive bid to MGM back when they were making movies and um it never got made but still it was very exciting yeah and uh and that's the story but I always I always wanted to be a writer so it's 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 good that it, I'm really glad it worked out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, let's kind of segue into. We're just going to kind of take some tangents and um and try to share tips with other people who might be thinking, well, I'm kind of interested in writing with my friend. So, first of all, how does it work? What did you learn from the beginning? Uh, did you have any moments when you wondered whether or not it was going to be the career or the friendship? What are some of the stories about how? You know, this for started? some
1: people, that's very true. So here's the thing: in screenwriting and television writing, um, having a writing partner is extremely popular. I would probably say forty percent of writers in wow. in an entertainment business or teams. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why is because it's it's filmmaking, unlike novels or really any other kind of writing, it's already a collaborative business because it's like you don't a screenplay isn't the finished product. You're just trying to make a really fantastic, hopefully a fantastic blueprint for other people for, then the director is gonna have their vision and the actors are gonna bring their part. And, and you know, so, and then all the creative people that make the set and everything, you know, that involves. So since it's already collaborative, it's really nice to have somebody at the beginning as a writing partner um, because, you already have sort of a built-in critique partner. Cause I know a lot of novelists have a critique partner, but then this way you share the burden with somebody. I mean, the hard part, or I shouldn't say the hard part, uh, there the downside is that you share the paycheck with somebody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but the uh the upside of sharing the paycheck with somebody is you can do twice as much. Um Liz mm-hmm. and I are almost always working on two things simultaneously because there's two of us. And so um so we uh and we can get things done twice as fast because when we're really under crunch time we just divide up the workload um every writing team works differently um some work in a room together with like one person pacing and the other person typing and you know um liz and i do not do that we break story together so when you know, in the before times when we could be in the same, the same room, <laughs> yeah, we break story together often, like a little glass of wine, and uh, you know, say what about this, what about that, like. But then we go, we we each work from our separate homes, and we've always done this way. We work over email and some kind of chat. Back in the day, de- back in the day, it was AOL Messenger, but now like <laughs> we just, you know, you have the chat function on your your MacBook, and. Um, And we, what we do is we, uh, we come up with whatever ideas we write, extremely detailed outline that we go back and forth on probably between 12 and 18 pages. And then we start writing from there and we do it. We personally do it round Robin style. So one of us will get started. So one of us will be like, okay, I'll get started and writes like the first 10 or 15 pages. And then it e- takes a few days to do that. And then emails it off to the other one. And the other one rewrites that 10 or 15 pages and then writes the next 10 or 15 pages and then emails it back. And then we just go back and forth, back and forth until we're finished, um, which is multiple drafts, but you know, uh, and then when we are when we feel very close to done, and um, the before times we used to get together off of a little glass of wine and put the screen, the script up on, um, you know, when, when you have a Mac, when you have a Mac and an Apple TV, you can project it. Yeah. Now we use something called collaborate on final drafts so we can be in different places. Nice. And then we go through the entire script line by line to not only look for typos or anything like that, but also to just see if we can make any of our jokes funnier. And we almost always do. We always manage to up the jokes about 10% by doing that um so it's you know that's our usual process um when we are in a hurry like we're under a tight deadline we'll just divide it up it'll be like okay liz you take scenes one three and five and i'll take two four and six you know and then we're just each madly writing and then trade off um i think the good thing is is that uh and and tell me if I've been going on for too long. No,
0: this good, is great. People want good, to hear.
1: <laughs> the good thing is, is that Liz and I have been writing together for so long that we like share a brain. And so we almost always think the same going the same direction plot wise, the same jokes and stuff are funny. Sometimes it's funny. Like one of us will, will change our own joke. And then the other one changes it back. And it was like, no, that your joke was funny. <laughs> Don't doubt it. Um, And which is helpful, you know, um, but it's not. It's not like we don't disagree on stuff, but we're very passive aggressive about it. We just rewrite the (laughs) the section, and then somebody rewrites it back, and then we no, and then we eventually discuss it, um, and argue our point of views. But um, but also just quickly, uh, we bring different skill sets to a writing partnership, and I would say that's another reason to write with somebody um, is that we can both do all of it and have at times there's just been times that one of us has been sick or something and the other one's just like i'll take i'll take the 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 burden you know and do most of it but i i like to build the house and she likes to decorate it so Uh i love to wrestle with plot and she really likes to do all of the finishing touches
0: Nice. All right. You know what? Um, Let's talk a little bit about breaking the story. I know that that's a term um, used in screenwriting, less so in novel writing, but it's a a great thing to constantly be reminded. What's a better way? Can I think of a new way? Can I listen to somebody else's way of doing it? So how do you guys do it? And explain a little bit for anybody who's new what that means.
1: Well, breaking the story means (laughs) coming up with whatever this thing is that you're going to write. So maybe you have an idea or maybe you've been assigned an idea. And I mean, I think that happens with books too, of course. You know, you can get assignments Um, or maybe you just have an arena or people are like, oh, we wanna do kids at camp or we wanna do, you know. Um, So I'll use an example of, um, Love Guaranteed is actually a great example. So, Rachel Lee Cook came to us with that original idea. She had read this article about this guy that had sued Coors Brewing Company because Coors, um, I'm sure you have listeners all over the world, a beer here, a really bad beer here in America, <laughs> claims that they are brewed with Rocky Mountain water. They're based in Denver and they're not. So, this guy sued them for false advertising anyone? and, won. Oh, and wow. so she said she said wouldn't it be funny if somebody sued a dating website for false advertising and um but of course the the lawyer and the the guy suing i don't want to ruin the movie if people haven't oh, seen it right. but there might no, be a, there might be a romance and an attraction there that's right so rachel gave us that idea and we were like terrific so we really liked it so we went off and we're like okay now what happens great that's what happens what's everything from that idea to the end of the movie where sorry spoiler alert it's a romantic comedy the, the two people get together because yeah. you know you need your twists and turns you need your you know your setup all your set pieces your romance your plot like your hurdles and of course obviously things look bleak towards the end of act 2 and then you know all of the action of act 3 um, for your listeners who um don't aren't as familiar with screenplays screen movies are done in in traditionally they're done in three acts um so but it's it's the same as a book it's beginning middle and end you know yeah So, um, and a lot of listeners
0: probably own or have read, or at least heard about the writer's journey and, you know, Michael Higgs story structure. So it's, it's all pretty simple. I would
1: really recommend if you're, if your listeners are interested in learning screenwriting and I'm not going to know the author's name, but there's a book called save the cat oh and, Blake um, yeah and okay and it really t- it's it tells you everything about how to write a screenplay basically and um and so when we break stories so then we're like okay great so rachel's character's a lawyer terrific like well why does she need to take this case and we're like or, you know um you know she's very principled And so because of that, she has all these pro bono cases and her law firm's about to go under. So she needs the money, you know, and we're like, well, who else works in her law firm with her? And so then we came up with the characters of Ricardo and Denise, you know, we just sit around and and we just sort of shoot the breeze about where things go. And then one of us is like, all right, I'll go write up our notes. And then we usually have to get together again and sort of go through the notes and then kind of build off that. And it starts to take the shape of an entire story. And then eventually we start um, then once we sort of have it all in mind or in notes form, that's when we start to try to write
0: our outline. Nice. That sounds great. I have to say that um, the closest I've come to, to something that awesome uh, in novel writing is um, uh, when I lived in California, I lived close enough to go to this group that got together. And um, once a year, we'd have like a long weekend and everybody would um, take turns sitting in a chair in the center of the room and um, say, this is kind of in general, the idea that I kind of have. And then it would just be, we had to record it. It was the only way you couldn't take enough notes, you know? And everybody like just brainstorm, 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 and then the writer could pick the things that they were like, oh yeah, that that totally you know resonates, that works.
1: I mean, I think that that's a great process. I took a walk yesterday with a friend of mine who's a novelist, and she was talking about something she's working on now, and she's like, well, maybe this happens to the teenage kid. I was like, yeah, maybe, or this could happen. And she's like, oh, you know, I never really thought about that. I talking through your ideas with somebody else is is a great way to, to figure out what you want and don't want and to also just get ideas that you might not have, have thought of. Yeah. But Liz and I do it together, not out of, <laughs> not out of, you know, I mean, we do it together, obviously as a team so that we, you know, can, can write these stories.
0: Now, Did you have any ideas about, oh, I probably am going to have a writing partner sometime and have any other ideas before Liz? Because I was hoping you might be able to give us, maybe just based on accounts you've heard that have not happened to you, um, on times when it's like, okay, you know what, this this relationship isn't going to work because-
1: We're, we're very, yes, i sorry, because you had sort of asked something like that before and I didn't address it. Um, we're very fortunate, Liz and I are the best of friends. We were bridesmaids in each other's weddings, Aww. I mean, our fa- like close to each other's family, all of that kind of thing. Um, so not every writing team's that way. A lot of writing teams hate each other because <laughs> I think that everybody starts out probably being friends and then it doesn't always, you know, like any work relationship, some are, some are great and some are not so great. And yeah. um, we know a writing team that goes to couples counseling they're not a couple, but they have to go to couples counseling because they make a lot of money, but really do not like each other. Yeah. Um, so we're fortunate. I. I, I definitely writing teams break up all the time, and there's also writing teams where people write things solo. Um, we don't write screenplay stuff solo. You know, we might write other things, not currently, but um, we just we are such a good screenwriting team that we very much enjoy working together. But not every team, not every team survives, and not every team enjoys working together. Um, I think that the the secret is that you have to have, well, I think like any relationship, who knows, it could go sour, right? It's just like marriages. Two people start off thinking that they're going to stay together forever, right? Um, You know, life circumstances could change, but I think that the, one of the reasons that Liz and I have persevered is because, like I said, we share a brain. We 99% of the time think the same things are funny or interesting, and we almost, like, if we're approached for what's called assignments in um, in the film writing business or TV writing business, you know, we'll, we'll either the same things sound good to us. We're like, oh, that sounds so cool, or we'll both be like, mm, not really our cup of tea. We almost always, when one of us has an idea and pitches it to the other one, the other one's like, that's super cool. We're 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 just on the same page with what entertainment we like. So it very much it very much helps that that keeps harmony in our in our. Our writing team career.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like maybe that's the most important thing. And the secondary um, bonus, um, the secondary good part about having a partner would be the um, being able to split up the work in a way that is uh, using each other's strengths. But it sounds like it would be more important to I feel like you're always finishing each other's sentences and laughing at the same things. You
1: know, I have to say it's pro- it probably is more important that you compliment each other's strengths. I think getting along oh. is. I think getting along just makes your life pleasant. But there are definitely writing teams that don't like each other, but they're very successful because they're 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 good at what they do. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think there's writing teams that would argue because they're combative that they think that they're more creative, right? Um, I just think life is too short to spend. I mean, my, my relationship with Liz is one of the two most important relationships in my life. My other wow. one being my marriage, you know? Yeah. Here's somebody I spend, I talk to every single day of my life. And here's somebody whose fortunes are completely tied to my own and vice versa. Yeah. And so therefore it's like, why would you want to spend that time with somebody that you can barely tolerate? But some people are willing to do it because some people are like, well, the money's good or, you know, I'm getting the career satisfaction I want. So I'm willing to make that sacrifice. I personally, I personally think life is too short.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, so listeners actually now have several different directions that they can think about it. And it's just kind of going to be down to my personal preference, what I want most. I think what I would
1: really recommend if you're listeners, because people of course write books together too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I just read something that was written by two people, but um, like Nikki French is they're a married couple, but that's a, an author that's a married couple that writes British mysteries that they write together. And Um, I just think that the most important part, obviously, if you're married, that's different, but is maybe to try one project together. There you go. You know, you just start off on a temporary basis. You're just like, okay, well, why don't we write this one script together and see how it goes? And then if it's a pleasant experience, then you're like, okay, well, we could do another without being like, I commit to you for life to be your (laughs) writing partner.
0: Yeah. Or a five book series or something.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, that's great. That's really brilliant. I like that. I have to admit that there has been a talk in my household about co-writing for probably the last eight or 10 years. And uh, some days... I think it's a great idea. When we're brainstorming, we're both like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it gets down to like the actual uh, details and how we would do it and stuff. And then there is far less compatibility and um, emotional resonance and laughter. And I'm like, I don't know, honey. I <laughs> I like the idea of writing together. I'm not sure that I'm willing to take the chance that that could be one right. of the Experiences we look back on and go, oh, golly. <laughs> he does like helping me though. I had a plot problem uh, yesterday or the day before, and he was like, So, what are you working on? I'm like, oh, I got to figure out this thing. And he's like, Aliens abducted by aliens. It works every time. He's been telling me that I should have someone in my romantic comedies abducted by aliens for the last 15 years. And I'm just like, Thanks for your help. Love you. Go away. <laughs> Maybe one day, one day
1: you'll have abducted yeah. by aliens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I did have him happy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I did find a way to shoehorn it into kind of shoehorn, um, into a, uh, one of my superhero books, I write superhero books for women. Yeah. And, um, and I had like a, a drunk homeless person on the side of the road be like, she was abducted by aliens, man. <laughs> So that was fun. There you go. You're yeah. not to it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about romantic comedies. Hopefully some of my listeners are like, yay! And others are like, <laughs> oh, please. But I'm sure that we'll there'll be lots of great writing tips because- no matter what you're writing, there are things that, that you do well. Tell us about, it. looking at your list from your bio, it seems like charming, fun and romantic is pretty much your corner on the market. And, and so tell us about, like, did you guys, did you and Liz decide, because it's a good business decision that we're gonna stick to more or less one thing that we're good at, that people are always gonna call us about, or how did you get to romantic comedies?
1: That's a great question. So we actually also do, um, I would say family family and kids stuff. And so we always both loved romantic comedies and comedies just in general. Um, and I think that, yes, it's in, in Hollywood, it's actually very important to brand yourself. Um, you want to have like sort of a wheelhouse that you write in Um, you don't always have to do that one day when you're super famous, like Ryan Murphy, you can do Glee and you can do American Horror Story. But when, until the, until that time, um, having a a wheelhouse and having some, some specifics or, you know, certain genres that you really work, like that you excel in Mm -hmm. is actually helpful for your career because it helps you get jobs and move forward, um, when you're all over the map, people don't really know what your strong suits are. So they're not going to be like, oh, to heck in Galinois, let's get them for that or, or that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously I would recommend um, making your brand something you in- enjoy writing <laughs> as opposed to not. Um, but like, I have a, I have a, a girlfriend who she's writes thrillers and sci-fi. And she loves it and she's great at it. And so it's great because she's very much known for that. And, and that's her brand. And, and, um, and so I think that we, we wrote a lot of much more family stuff early on. And, um, and we kind of struggled in the romantic comedy. Um, genre because nobody was making romantic comedies for a number of years yeah and um and then especially back then and you know we worked a little bit like hallmark or whatever but they're really more romance than romantic comedies um although they they they're leaning a little bit more towards comedy now and um and so you know bless Netflix because they really brought the romantic comedy back and they brought it back big and now everybody's doing romantic comedies because of them and um it was fantastic so we we're very we're, we're very grateful to Netflix where we work a lot and uh and I'm just grateful that romantic comedies are are back in vogue and I'm not really sure why they went out of vogue in the sense that the audience has always been there they never went away the audience has been me my entire life i've yeah. always lo- i've always loved romantic comedies my favorite movie of all times is working girl oh, yeah. um while you Are sleeping is another one of my favorite movies of all times like i just i love i absolutely adore romantic comedies and 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 it's the problem is i think for many years um, especially feature films were not made by women for women. So they were made by men for men. And fortunately in, this, in the entertainment business, that does seem to be changing.
0: Yeah. So. Jill and I have spent many years complaining about the, the dearth of romantic comedies. And then just in the last few months, it seems like, well, and also so many people are home. I'm noticing a ton of stuff coming up on Netflix, at least here in Sweden, I'm, I'm guessing worldwide licensing aside um that I'm like oh that's a movie from like three years ago or five years ago or seven years ago but and I'm like I've seen that romantic comedy but I'm gonna see it again because (laughs) I haven't seen it for five years and I need more romantic comedy so that's well that's definitely something my
1: understanding at Netflix is that the romantic comedy viewers will watch it over and over and over so, and that's not necessarily true with other genres.
0: Yeah. No, that's probably true. I mean, there's a point at which you're like, yeah, I know who done it. I know who killed the guy. So I'm done. I figured it out. I watched the movie. But Hillary, I'm not saying that I have um, any kind of issues with, um, you know, needing to constantly be watching romantic comedies. Honestly, I watched Falling in Love three times and Love Guaranteed three times because I knew I was going to interview you. It was research that I did for work. <laughs>
1: thank you uh thank you no see that means the world to me i have seen them both also at least three times that, that's kind of <laughs> sort of my job um yeah you know what they hold up though they do and i you know i even enjoy going back and looking at some my movies again sometimes after time has gone by so it's you know i think when one rewatches a romantic comedy or a comedy or any kind of feel good movie is because it's like it, it's just rereading a favorite book you know it's a warm blanket yeah and and you know it's going to be a warm blanket and and there's there's nothing wrong with that.
0: <laughs> well, Disney Plus finally got to Sweden in um, mid September and my husband's birthday is the second uh, of October. And so he decided for a birthday present, what he wanted was a year's subscription to Disney Plus. I mean, after all, it has every Marvel movie and every Star Wars movie. So, yes. and that was like, and all the, oh, and Pixar, those were his three things. He's like, I want all that. He's a computer animator too. So um, yeah, honestly, we watched animated movies really for work. It has nothing to do with our incredible right. enjoyment, <laughs> but I saw Geek Charming on there. And my first thought was, That looks totally cute. I don't care if it was made for kids. I just have to watch it when John's not around or he will totally rib me and tell me that there's, you know, something wrong with my brain that I can't not watch a romantic comedy.
1: (laughs) Well, it's actually, I would would argue that Geek Charming is not, is not sort of an insufferable kids movie. Like actually that's the first thing I only got married a few years ago. And it's the first thing of mine, my husband ever watched and he cried so
0: oh wow that's <laughs> nice
1: well because for those who haven't seen geek charming it has a it kind of has a serious subplot it's based off a book so but it okay. has it has a, a serious it sort of has a serious subplot and you know and, and um, it really involves like family and and working through you know issues and um so i that one's still very near and dear to my heart you know even though it's almost 10 years old now um oh, wow. but we still we still love it so so yes, for your your listeners, that's on Disney Plus. <laughs> you can see it time.
0: <laughs> well, all right. So, um, hate to put you on the spot, but are there anything since you've been doing this for a while that kind of come to mind as these are keys that you want to not forget in a family story, um, family centered story, or a romantic comedy or a romance story. So, for instance, is there, can you, can you, uh, do you feel the difference between when you're writing for Hallmark and writing one of your original rom coms? Or are there specific things that you're keeping in mind? Well, you definitely
1: have to, when you're writing, you've either sold them, a, you know, a pitch or an idea or a script or whatever um, to a, a certain network or streaming service or whatever. Um, Or you're or you're doing a rewrite for them like my best friend's bouquet was a rewrite Um, is that each place also has their brand. And so Hallmark is usually a little bit more straightforward romance. Um, They have and they have a a, I don't want to say it's a formula they follow, but they certainly have much more of um, uh, like um, structure. Structure—it's not even structure. I don't want to say rules because they're—they're not not like draconian about them. But that you know, there's not—it's there. Those movies are pretty chaste. Um, You know, people don't live together before marriage in a Hallmark movie, and and you know things like that. You—they're—they're a lot more sweet and and simple and very wholesome. And so there's guidelines. That's the word I'm looking for. There's guidelines that you follow to keep those movies really wholesome for so that they're for everybody um for which is great i mean that's fun and and uh it's always actually it's kind of a fun challenge because you're just really writing like this almost this romance where it's like well it's not it's not sexy instead you got to make it really you're just selling it through the emotions and the connection between these characters and um and then for somewhere like netflix you can be a little bit more um you know uh sexy and a little bit more forward and a little bit more so like you know they can drink in hallmark movies but nobody can get ever get drunk you can show somebody drunk in a netflix romantic comedy yeah that kind of thing. somebody could have lived with somebody before so yeah. um you know that or you know they're living with a boyfriend and or that kind of thing you can have two kisses in a a Netflix movie, you can have one in a Hallmark movie. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but by the way, that's just the division of Netflix we work for. There's a different romantic comedy division where people can, they're, they're more, oh, wow. they're, they're more racy and yeah. people, you know, ha, like sleep together, but off screen still. But, you know, um, but the division we work for is meant to appeal to people who really just like, actually the, how they put it at the division we work for is, is that it's, they're, rom- they're romantic comedies and they're smart and sophisticated, but you could also watch it with your 12 year old daughter. Like ah. you wouldn't be embarrassed to like watch it with your preteen daughter. Yeah and so, that's, so so that's, a, that's always a fun sort of guidelines to follow too. So it, it really just depends on who, who you're writing for. Like when we wrote Geek Charming um, in the book, one of the characters had asthma and they're like, oh no, no, no asthma. And we're like really? And they're like, oh they're, they're like, we get endless phone calls from people that either we've done asthma, we've, we portrayed it wrong or we've been too flip about it. They're like, it's just better not to go. there. Wow. (laughs) So, So there are, there are like certain, certain, yeah, guidelines is really the best word for it that you have to follow depending on who your audience is.
0: Yeah. So a novelist can be listening to what you're saying and thinking to themselves, okay, precisely what subgenre am I trying to hit and what is allowed or not allowed um, in the, and I use that word, like you said, as a guideline in general is the largest audience for this particular subgenre looking for, you know, a kiss or behind the door sex or on the page sex, and then make sure that your story fits within those guidelines in order to please the most readers. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. I would think for novels, like I have a friend who um, she wrote a, a cozy mystery that she self-published and actually wrote it with a writing partner, <laughs> and they had swearing in it and sex, and so then they realized that they weren't probably reaching their broadest cozy mystery audience because cozy mystery readers normally like it a little bit more PG, you know, rated language. And then maybe sort of a hint of sex, but not that, you know, cause then I know that there's the, there's the romance novels that are like, I have a friend in Alaska that writes the ones where they're, they're getting down, you know, they're the really <laughs> sexy, much more 50 shades of gray kind. So it's yeah. like, it's like know your audience, know your audience and, or figure out what audience you want to write for and then write to that audience for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely our audience and, and I mean this, like, embracingly, like, I think of our audience as people like me. So, you know, women probably between, you know, 20 and 80 or whatever, like you said, watching it, watching this movie with their girlfriends or alone with a glass of wine. I mean, yeah. we, Liz and I try to write a move, our movies that they're definitely meant to, you're meant to have a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, and, and that's my, you know, that's who I am. And we write to our audience.
0: Yeah. So- Yeah, and now in screenwriting, okay, so in novel writing, you can choose, this is what I, so I'm telling you my story. You can choose to write um, a book or a series that you're like, you know what? I just wanna write this book for me and my little group of friends who are like me. Um, So I wrote a superhero series where um, the main character goes to church, uh, says shit, damn in hell, and uh drinks a glass of wine and loves having sex with her husband and i thought there you go that's my kind of movie right right so <laughs> um so the reviews while the, the the total reviews are like 4.3 or 4.4 out of five and i'm thinking okay that's a good success if you read the one star reviews we've got this book would have been really good if there wasn't so much sex in it this book would have been really good if there wasn't so much religion in it and i'm like okay
1: you know <laughs> i feel, I feel for me? like I feel like whenever I read any book reviews, people are always like that. So you know, I think that I think for for you guys who are novelists, that's that's just a tough, a tough road. You know, like a, a tough road to hoe. However, you say that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a, uh, it's it's a, uh, you know, there's always going to be somebody who's a little shocked or just that's not their cup of tea I mean for instance Hallmark has started to include gay characters much more in their in their movies
0: yeah
1: and it's I think it's terrific because you know it's 2020 like embracing the times and and um but then there's a tiny portion of their audience who's like you know I don't want to see gay characters but so you're never going to make everybody happy all the time but hallmark's just been like but we're, we're we want to make you know we want to do the right thing and acknowledge this and you know obviously gay marriage is legal at least for now in america and you know they want to be they want to be inclusive and abrasive embrace everybody and show the the diversity in America. And so what, uh, it's going to always rub some people the wrong way, but what can you do?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So while I feel like I have this freedom that I, I could, I'm going to, you know, continue this series, finish it off in the way I want. And if it's not one of the series that makes me, uh, you know, a lot of money, that's fine because I've got my sweet small town romance series and that's hitting all the marks, you know, but tell us uh, as a screenwriter, where can you put, this kind of, um, these ideas that you're like, I probably am not going to sell this to Netflix or Hallmark or Paramount, but I just have this great idea. Do you, do you just need to set it aside and go, well, I, I got millions of ideas or do you find some other way to, to pour yourself into the story?
1: You know, um, it's interesting you ask that. So ultimately we just set things aside if they're, well, I actually backtrack. Liz and I rarely have ideas that aren't automatically movies or TV show ideas because that's just the way our brains think at this point. Maybe that's not the way they have always thought, but they definitely do. Um, so, but we, we did at one point, we had an idea that we kind of thought about as a TV show, and then we ultimately thought it would be a really good book. And we started to try to write it as a book, and we're just like, it, it was it was too laborious for us. And so we just put a pin in it. Um, you know, like I said, we don't, we haven't at this juncture really written separate things, but Liz has, I'm like, I'll give her a plug. Liz has a huge following on, on Twitter. She's Liz Hackett on Twitter. And so she's been approached to write like a book based on her Twitter feed and, and that's great. And that's obviously not a movie idea. And it, and she's probably going to do that at some point. And I'm supportive of that. And I've thought about at times of, of writing like self-published kind of, um, like teen mysteries because I I love that kind of thing. Yeah. But, but once again, I just, our career is so busy right now that we just, you know, but I think though, to sort of answer for your listeners, Liz and I both keep um, what we call an ideas folder. And it's just a folder on our computer where we'll, sometimes it's one line, sometimes it's an article in a newspaper. Sometimes it's a story somebody told us, sometimes it's a book review. um, And we just, keep a running list of stuff. Cause you, you just never know when the time might be right to, to, to work on that idea.
0: Yeah. Well, I have to say when you were talking about writing partnerships and you talked about um, like, it's, it's a little sad in real life, uh, writing partners who have to go to couples therapy in order to just like continue having a career together because they're really good, but they don't like each other. And I'm thinking, oh, write that into some sort of comedy. Like that could be super fun. But I'm like, oh, you kind of couldn't do it if they were like close friends who realized that.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Um, but, <laughs> but I was like, oh, there's there's a lot of you like potential humor and like we could end somehow in a, in a good way that they became friends again or...
1: or if they were a boy
0: and a girl we could end with a kiss and falling in love and
1: (laughs) right right oh so yeah no it's actually what's funny is that we we had a we have an idea or had one that is actually sort of hollywood based based on on screenwriters that, that everybody's like nobody wants to see tv shows about people working in hollywood So (laughs) I hear that a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, that might change too at some point, maybe it'll be exactly age. Yeah. (laughs) And then you've got your ideas folder. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Nice. That is a folder that probably grows. And it would be one of the things, um, when I worked at E entertainment, I had to create an appendix a of, um, every single thing to go an appendix to my contract. Um, of every single thing that I had started writing, had an idea about or whatever, because the the employment contract said, any ideas that you ever come up with or work with even on your own spare time 24 seven during the time that you work here. And I'm like, no, dude, you can't have my ideas. You wouldn't use them anyway. If so I'm not gonna give them- Also they
1: don't need to know what was in your brain. So yeah. you're like, I came up with a super great idea the day after I left.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I worked with my agent and she's like, just, all the ideas that you've ever had and four or five that you don't have yet, just give them a title and make a list of titles. I'm like, okay, so that's the identity theft story. And that's the That I had like a page written on, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know uh, of anybody in the novel writing side of things that has to deal with that. I guess it just depends on whether or not you, you know, are working for a creative employer that, Yeah, yeah, have that kind of, um, anyway, so okay, I I thought that before we uh, wrap up, we should probably address what some listeners are considering the elephant in the room kitty why aren't you asking her, some people are probably thinking i I know I'll probably never become a screenwriter, uh, get a screenplay, uh, written and sold and produced. And because those would be two different things too, okay. <laughs> uh, but. Oh yeah. You can make a, you can make
1: a, a living for many, many years without getting anything produced. So that's the, the irony of, uh, of the, of the entertainment business.
0: Yeah. I, I hate to ask just in case, like it's a question you shouldn't ask. So you don't have to answer, but is that hard? Or do you just have to choose to be like, well, I'm making a living doing what I like? Oh, it's very hard. Yeah. It's a spe-
1: It's it's especially heartbreaking when something almost happens and then oh. falls apart at the very last minute, which Liz and I've had happen to us a number of times. Oh. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, but yeah. you know, um, if it, it it's a it's a tough business and the number one thing i would say to people thinking about being a screenwriter is if you can imagine being anything else on the face of the earth go do that because i can't so therefore i've stuck with it yeah um but uh it's it there's it's there's no job security and years of employment and things you know sometimes you do make a living getting nothing made sometimes you also are not making much of a living and not getting anything made sometimes (laughs) you get things made and that still doesn't really help you make a living so it's uh it's it's, it's a roller coaster for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe some people are thinking, this is what I'm sort of guessing that there's a lot of people thinking, but my book would make a great movie. Now I know this isn't really, um, you know, but maybe they might, and
1: they might, and they might not be wrong. So IP is very popular in, in the entertainment business and, and, uh, especially like lots of Hallmark movies and stuff are totally based on books. And I know that you Interviewed authors that, you know, and that have had their movies um, made and everything. So they, uh, so yes, books, lots of books do make good movies.
0: Um, so my guess is lots of people ask you questions that you're really thinking, I'm not the right person to know the answer to this question, but do you have thoughts for people who are thinking, and can you tell me how I would go about that?
1: wow so you know i there are people that represent books for you know for to try to chop around the you know the film and television business um i would think that probably especially if you're if your um listeners are self-published or a smaller publisher that's not a problem the the Martian was a book that yeah. was self-published and actually a friend of Liz's and mine found it on Amazon or whatever wow. and, and made it into what it is today, the movie and a hit, you know. So so people shouldn't be like, oh, my little self-published book because those are just as legitimate. In some ways, even more so because everybody, you know, the next big thing that's being released from Simon & Schuster, all of the the film studios are already all over it. So, right. you know, um, IP goes fast when it's big like that. So sometimes the little, the, the smaller books and stuff are really exciting Fine for a producer um, or, you know, an actor that wants to attach themselves or that kind of thing. I would say for your, for your listeners, the best advice I could give is just any in that you have, because trying to find one of these, these agents to represent your book and shop it around can really be a nightmare. You don't really even need that. It's just, Everybody I feel knows a friend of a friend of a friend who has a producer friend in Hollywood. Yeah. And you can just send them like a, maybe a little blurb about your book and see, you know, and I would say identify where you would like to sell your book. So for your listeners, if they have romance books, I mean, Hallmark is a great place to try to sell, you know. Um, also, you know, they have the Movies and Mysteries channel. So right. the, you know, they're always looking for those for cozy romances that can be translated into, you know, a vehicle for somebody. So um, I would say also just know where you'd like to try to sell, to sell your, your project and just try to, if you can just get into somebody's hands, you know, um, that's sort of the, that's sort of the best way to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I used to be, um, a very bottom of the totem pole person at a production company. And I did uh reading of books for the producer and, um, you yeah. know, writing up the points, uh, writing up the, um, reports coverage, as coverage. Yep. And, um, <laughs> there were times when I was like, Okay, I need to not tell people this is what I do because I'm never gonna get any sleep if I try to read all yeah. the things.
1: No, then- that's, it's that's very true. So, like, but you know, it's it, it it Sometimes it's really just about finding producers and stuff that will also take unsolicited material and sending your book. Yeah, um, because it's uh, it's really it's it's just about finding somebody that that will read it and and you know and honestly give you advice on whether this really would make a good movie or if it you know if they think that they can find a home for it or yeah um, But it's it's just kind of trying to work your contacts.
0: Yeah, yeah. But um, th- that's that's what I'm thinking is that he- even even people at the bottom of the totem pole. I know the sun's really beginning to come in the office, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry about that. I know. That. But I say for
1: the YouTube people, I keep shifting around because the light is changing in the office, and it's like it's very weird. <laughs> I
0: can't see. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was um, I was trying to agree with what you were saying about you know a friend of a friend of a friend because the the bottom people. People might actually be more likely to at least read a little bit of it. And if yeah. there's anything to it, they will tell their bosses because that's their job. So. Everybody wants
1: a story like The Martian. So it's not, you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's always worthwhile trying to get your book out there and, and get it seen by people in the entertainment business at any level. You're right. At any level, it could be somebody's assistant, somebody's production assistant, because everybody wants to be that person that found the, the, I don't even want to say diamond in the rough. Your book could be absolutely terrific, but I'm just saying the maybe the smaller imprint, the self-published thing that turns into, I mean, that's what 50 Shades of Grades was. It's just, I mean, it, there, there are these stories, so yeah. they happen. So it's about hustling your own. I think it's about hustling your own book.
0: That's perfect. Oh, what a great way to kind of end our, our talk together, hustling your work. That's what you've got to do. You can't just be sitting around waiting for somebody to discover you. Right
1: yeah you can't i mean this is of course a screenplay thing but so falling our movie falling in love was actually a spec script and so we heard that netflix was going to start doing the kind of romantic comedies that we write our producer on it told us that and so we were like all right we're gonna we're gonna write one and sell it to them (laughs) we were very determined and we hustled our we 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 created something and we hustled it And, uh, and we made it happen. So that's definitely the way to go. You got to be your own, your, your own advocate.
0: Yeah. That's a great one too. And I just want to say like, I wanted to come through the screen and like just do a little neck squeeze on some of the reviews that I read for those two movies. Cause I was like, whoever you are, stop typing. You're obviously not even the kind of person who reads this or who watches this kind of movie because the movie was awesome. And the and I, oh my gosh, I, I was getting mad on your behalf when I was reading. I don't want to say what, website, but it's oh, a very popular oh, website. I mean,
1: you know what? We don't, I don't read, I don't read the comments. Basically, <laughs> is how I live my life. Those our movies are not made for, for reviewers. Although yeah. uh, Falling in Love got a very positive review in the Atlantic and actually Love Guaranteed got a positive review in the New York Times. So wow. yeah, so we were thrilled about that, but they, they understood it. They were talking about the movie for its audience. I mean, that's perfect. I, 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 yeah reviewers are it's just like we're not trying to you know change the shape of the wheel here we're trying to (laughs) give some give people what they want and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that it's very interesting how in movies and tv shows you get skewered for giving people what they want so much more than any other art you know nobody ever says oh taylor swift she gave us what we wanted she made some more terrific pop music you know, let's skewer her for it. It's crazy that people think that only, you know, I loved the queen's gambit, but it's like, that's, yeah, that's great. That's art, you know, whatever, but there's, there's something for everybody. That's like attacking an action movie for being an action movie. It's like a good action movie is very satisfying if that's what you want. And it's not, it's not art in the sense of like highbrow, but it's, it's art for what it is. So yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, we, I, I'm much more interested in real people's reactions to our stuff and the amount of doers that we get for our m- movies means so much more to me than, uh, than critical reviews.
0: Well, you'll have to divide some of the numbers by, by people like me who've seen them several times, but you know Sorry. what House I every want? <laughs> yeah. I, I want charm. I want to laugh. I'm looking for someone to make me laugh. I want to fall in love and be like, I have to try to remember that um, it's the 27 year old in me who's like, oh my gosh, this is so sweet and he's so cute. Because if I really thought about the age difference between me and this actor, or that actor, I'd be like, that's disgusting that you think that is awesome. So no, it's the 27 year old in me who's like, oh, this is awesome. This is exactly how love should be with a goat. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> well, see,
1: we have to give them like a lot of credit. I think that uh, the actors in our movies really, really bring, it, bring it to life. So, yeah, and they and they sell it, and they're terrific. So,
0: yeah, I liked them all. <laughs> Well, I knew this would happen uh, as much as on the one hand, you know, it's a smaller audience of my podcast who's probably thinking about screenplay writing. The fact is, is that we are writers all talking about writing and very happy yes. with it, but we must stop. Yeah. <laughs> so Hillary, where can people, we've mentioned your uh, a lot of your movies in the bio and people could rewind, but let's just talk again about where people can find some of your work on uh, various devices and uh, channels and that sort of thing. And also uh, where they might find you or follow you, that sort of thing?
1: Well, you can. Um, we have two movies. My brain partner and I have two movies streaming on Netflix right now, which is Falling in Love, spelled I N N, because she wins an end, and Love Guaranteed. And uh, the movie Geek Charming that we talked about, you can watch that on Disney Plus currently. And then because you asked me about my website, I've recently created a website because I never had one. Yay. So it's hillarygallanoid.com. So that's H-I-L-A-R-Y-G-A-L-A-N-O-Y, all one word, .com. You can just read a little bit about me there. And I'm on Twitter at drunchmenu. So <laughs> not my name. And my writing partner's on Twitter as well. And she's Liz Hackett. Um, and so... That's about it. I would say that those are great places to just sort of um, keep up. I'm going to start on my brand new website. I'm going to start uh, probably doing a blog on there more regularly about you know some thoughts about writing, screenplay writing, and then also just updates on our on our projects. I'm not allowed to give anything away about our upcoming Netflix, but we do have another movie at Netflix and it will probably be out, I'm gonna say late next year or early the following year. So, so, if people want to follow me at hilarygalanoi.com, they can find out. And uh, we might have things in between then, too. So,
0: we'll see. Nice. Well, I will be signing up to follow you because apparently I love all of your work. <laughs> thank you.
1: Thank you. I re- we appreciate it very much.
0: And tell Liz, too. You know, sorry she couldn't be here, but Yes, tell her Liz thank cannot you. be here today.
1: She had a family commitment, but she was very excited and cannot wait to listen to the podcast.
0: So. Awesome. Very good. Well, listen, thank you again for taking the time to be on the show and sharing with us so much information and thoughts and fun. Thank you for being somebody who promotes, like, I just want people to feel good when they're watching my work. Well, thank you so much for having me.